Hello and welcome to the stories of Northern life from the Sault Ste. Marie Museum. Keeping with the theme of Indigenous History Month, we have for you an interview with Chief Mia Wasigi of Serpent River Reserve as he is asked a series of questions about his day-to-day life and the life of his people on the reserve throughout his years of life. Keep in mind that this was recorded in the 1970s. We recognize that some of the language is not modern and is not acceptable. Our intention in sharing this recording and others like it is to highlight our local history as well as examples of the way Indigenous groups and nations were acknowledged, instilling how we can still do better in today's world. Now let's get into it. A lot of the Indian names uh, have a specific meaning. What does your name mean? Uh, my name means uh, High Noon. High Noon. That's Neoaski. Uh-huh. Well, that's thinking about the sun, you know. That's at noon hour. That's why the, uh, we call it High Noon. Is that a, a, a word in the Ojibwe language? It is. Neoaski? Yes. Could you tell us, Chief, where you were born and when? Yes, uh, I was born on the Serpent River Indian Reserve. Uh, it's in 1897, and June 11th. So I am almost uh, 76 years old. <laughs> and, and all these years that I've been living there, well, according to the conditions that were at the time, I think they were more or less a little bit, uh, not as good as they are now, but I mean, they were, we actually lived in, in houses. I mean, we didn't live, but I don't think we lived in tents at that time. Because uh, my father, you know, always used to be able to build a house and sort of keep us. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many houses he built while he was living and giving us a fairly good accommodation. Mm-hmm. How was a child born? Uh, they were born in the house. That's right. Under what conditions was a child well, born? Well, the uh, well in those days, I guess it was uh, a normal condition in those days. But uh, I mean, they weren't all uh, they weren't all born in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know about the white people. Maybe there were, mm-hmm. but uh, but the Indian people. Most of the time, all children were born at home, and they had a, a midway. This is this is the condition that were at that time. Was there a doctor that ever came around to deliver a child? Yes, which uh, in the 1920s around that area, uh-huh. uh, they used to have a doctor come into the house then. But before that, I think they were just uh, a medway. Mm-hmm. How many children were in your family? Uh, there was 12 of us altogether, two girls and 10 boys. Mm-hmm. And you were what? Well, I was about the fifth oldest, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, my sister was the oldest, and my, my older brother was the second. And then there's a, a girl after me, and then from there on, it's all of the younger ones. Mm-hmm. 
And you spent your childhood on the Serpent River in Missouri? I spent my childhood days, yes, on the Serpent River in Missouri. Sometimes we did go to visit uh, where my mother came from, you know, at Down, Birch Island. Your mother came from where, excuse me? Birch Island. Oh, yeah. How was it that you traveled to your grandmother's? Uh, my father used to have horses, you know, horses at that time. And uh, in the summertime, of course, we used to have a sailboat, travel by sailboat, you know, travel from place to place. That's where we used to travel. How did you travel in the wintertime? Uh, with horses. Horses? Yes. That's in my days, of course. Uh -huh. and they, they, went, they went all fortunate to have horses in those days, you know, because my father used to work quite a bit. And, uh, he was a good provider. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't have horses, what, how did they travel? Well, when they didn't have horses, well, then I could, they used to have uh, dogs and dog teams. Mm -hmm. In the wintertime, did you travel across the ice of the, of the water, the river? Yes, it was mostly across the ice uh, in the wintertime, because there was no road from, well, say, from go to this place. And I wanted to travel by ice. Did you have many accidents falling through? Uh, not that I know of, no. What kind of house did you have? Well, it's one of these, uh, well, I would say the pioneer buildings. I see sometimes or you see a pioneer building, just a one room house. Maybe it might be an upstairs to it. And, uh, and uh, the, the children used to uh, all sleep upstairs because we had possibly sometimes we have two rooms in the house. One part is for the kitchen and eating at the same time, and the other part is for the house, probably for the old folks to sleep in or something. Is this the first house that you remember living in? Yeah, that's that you're the describing? first house. That's, that's the first house that I remember. Yeah. And what was it built of or from? Yeah, logs. A log house. That's a log house. And did the whole family help in the building of the house? Uh, I think uh, the uh, the community used to help to to build these houses. The community, like the men, they all have what they call a bee. And uh, they used to work and building these houses that way. It was like a house raising bee, and they all get together for the house. That's right. After we lived in that uh, first log house that I remember, and then our dad uh, built another house, it was a frame building. And of course, there was a sauna in the, in the area then. But then uh, we got some lumber all plain, paint and everything. It was a big house, you know, big enough for, for the family. So we lived there. You moved into the other house because it was larger? Yes. It could accommodate your family better? That's right. It was in the same area, was it? Oh, yes, in the same area. What did you do about um, medicines if someone fell ill? Well, we used to get some medicine from well, sometimes we, we get it from a doctor, but uh, most of the time, my mother used to go in the bush, you know, and, uh, you know, dig up some roots, and she used to get medicine back there. There was a lot of 
lot of stuff that she knew, and my father used to know some of it. And then twenty two of them, I think, uh, we lived pretty good. Um, there, were, there wasn't too much sickness in our family. I did go to school there on the reserve when I was uh, when I was young, and then I was just after around about seven or eight years old, something like that. I went to school there because uh, the teacher at that time wasn't uh, a qualified teacher. She was just a, an old lady that was striving for her living too as well, I guess. And, uh, well, in any way, she taught us what she did know. And we, but there was uh, a little struggle. Did all the children go to the school? Well, <clears throat> not all of them. But, uh, well, most of them did. Did you, did you speak English before you went to school? No, I couldn't speak a word of English. Mm -hmm. Was it just a, a little schoolhouse on the reserve? That's just a little red schoolhouse on the reserve. That the Indians had built themselves? Yeah. And was this um, teacher, was she Indian or, or was she... No, she was a white woman. Yeah. So she spoke English? Yeah, she you. spoke English. And, yeah, she spoke English. And you have to uh, learn English then? Well, yes. Uh, from that, we learned some of the English words. Of course, we, we learned to have ABCs and all that, you know, from, from start. And in that school, I went as far as uh, book one at a coffee. How old would you have been then? In book one? I, I would have been around about. Eight years old. Eight years old? Yeah. Then after that, well, I went to a boarding school after I got done with this school, with book one. Then I went into second book, third book, and fourth book. And that is in those days. With uh, this fourth book would be something like uh, grade eight, seven and eight, or something like that. You know. To that. Did you have to pay to go to school? Uh, no, no. And where was the boarding school? The boarding school was at the Grimacom on Manitou Mile. There we used to work there. It was uh, more or less an industrial school. Uh, we used to work up, work on the farm, mark cars and look at it. It was a bit like a uh, farm farm equipment and all that, milk cows. And what kind of teachers did you have at the boarding school? Well, we had a fairly good teachers in the boarding school. I mean, they were strict, but I mean, they, they were good. I mean, we learned something. How did you decide to go to boarding school? I didn't decide to go to boarding school. It was my father that decided for me to go to school. The teachers were... Uh, well, there were white people, there were English-speaking people. But the, uh, the, uh, the ones that were running the school, like the, uh, what shall I say, this, uh, the principals, maybe? The principals and all that, and, uh, you know, all the people that were looking at the whole school, the administration of the whole school, was, they were mostly French. So they, uh, they spoke a lot of French, you know, among themselves, of course. and. Uh, when they were talking to us, they had this your French accent, you know. They, uh, so 
and we couldn't uh, very well, you know, talk to anybody after we come out of school, you know. I was kind of bashful myself on account of this, because you know, uh, I couldn't talk the way they, they spoke, you know. Did any parents come and visit their children in school? Well, the parents from the village, only from the village that uh, where the school was. But uh, apart from that, I, I don't think they ever were. But they were permitted to visit. Oh, yes, uh, they were permitted if they want to come in. The name of the school was the Grimacry Industrial School. I left school around about 1910. We'd like to ask you about um, religion, Fidel. If, uh, there were, if there was a church in the area where you lived as a child, what uh, religious experiences or training did you have? Yes, there's a church there. I believe the church is older than I am, but uh, was older than I am, but we uh, demolished that church since, since then. And uh, I was going to tell you that my mother wasn't a, uh, wasn't a Catholic, she, she was a Protestant. And uh, my, uh, my father, he was a non-Christian. And uh, after they got married, of course, uh, they got married in a Catholic church. And we were all brought up uh, Catholic children, the whole family of us. Now, my mother used to tell us to, to go to church when the priest came. Of course, and my father, he turned to the Catholic Church. We used to go to church. And we used to go to church only about once a month. The, the missionary used to come there about once a month, sometimes once a year. In the old days, this is how often we used to go to church. Pray in Ojibwe from the Ojibwe choir. Oh, yes. Yeah, we had to. We had to pray in Ojibwe. Mm -hmm. And what about the hymns? Were there Ojibwe hymns? Yeah, there were all Ojibwe hymns. Too. We didn't uh, say no English hymns, not in those days that I recall them. Only my late ladies did come about. Was the church far away from your home? Uh, the church wasn't too far away from my place. Uh, always, uh, we always passed a little closer to the church than to other people. Mm -hmm. And when the priest wasn't there, did one of your people take over and lead the service? Or was this an individual? Yeah, one of the, uh, there was, well, there'd be somebody there, you know, to, to take over, uh, not as a priest, but I mean, it's just a, it's just a layman. Mm -hmm. Somebody just to lead the prayers and the hymns. Yeah, he, he led the prayers and the hymns and all that. Mm -hmm. How? My father used to work. As a woodsman, like uh, making timber and all that, you know. Of course, there was lots of, lots of places where we could get uh, sale for this thing. This was his occupation. He used to hunt and trap and fish. Sometimes he'd go and catch rabbits. And, you know, he was, he was always busy. Mm -hmm. He used to go in a bush. And, I remember one time he asked me to go with him back in the bush there, you know, you wanted to go and get some some moose to the moose. So we took the horses up 
up the highway, uh, up the Toto, and up there, he got his most security. And we're bucking down to the to town, town of Massaby, and loaded this, this meat right there, right in town, in broad daylight. And there, was no, there was no restrictions to that time, as far as our part was concerned, anyway. But I don't think you could do that for a while, don't you? Today, you know. So you could hunt on the reserve without a permit? Or? Oh, yeah. We can still do that. Even on crown lands, we can still do it, but according to our treaty rules. What did your mother do in the home? Uh, well, it was uh, a different kind of work, like uh, housekeeping and all that. And then many clothes, I did sometimes, uh, well, like, like in the spring of the year, well, we used to mow into a sugar bush, and then we used to make sure, make sure in the spring, mm -hmm. and uh, we preserved this. Uh, they preserved it, not me, but I mean, <laughs> but uh, my mother and father used to preserve all this stuff, you know, for the for the summer months, like for the next year. How did you make sugar? Uh, we boiled uh, sap in the spring. Mm -hmm. And we used to uh, I remember my father making one of these big uh, containers, like get you know, for to put sap in. Mm -hmm. he, he made it out of uh, wood. I don't know how long he worked on it, but he, he, he must have worked for a long time. And this is where we, you know, the sap in. Of course, I was young, I only had a small little pail to, to mm -hmm. hold the sap in. And, uh, the whole family participated. Oh, yes, the whole, uh, those that were able to. Mm -hmm. What other preserves were made? Oh, we used to make, uh, my mother used to make blueberries, so all different kinds of berries uh, in the summer months. We used to keep that for the winter months. And we used to, uh, we used to sell blueberries, like, uh, to company store there. Mm -hmm. And uh, by that, too, we uh, <coughs> they used to buy the, uh, enough uh, food or provisions that we needed, like sugar, salt, and tea, and, uh, stuff like that, you know. Flour. Yeah, flour. We used to have enough, you know, for the, for the winter. How did uh, your mother preserve? berries and things. What was oh, yeah. put into it? Was it a jam that she made or something? Oh, oh yeah, well, I mean, she used to preserve them just like uh, put sugar in. Mm -hmm. Put them in a jar? I put them in a jar, mm -hmm. so. Did you preserve any meat? Yes, we used to preserve meat too. I mean, uh, we used to put them in the jars and boil them in, the, in a big uh, big pot to put the jars in and boil the meat. And what kind of clothes did you wear? Well, nowadays, I mean, we really wore the ordinary sort of clothes that uh, people wore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your mother didn't make um, clothes out of moose hide or deer oh, hide? No. No, the only thing that she used to make was uh, moccasins. This was what we used to wear, like in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, we used to get some kind of a wrap around my, our feet to keep our feet warm, you know. And how did you cook? How did your mother cook meals in the house? Well, as far as I know, I think uh, she used to uh, she used to cook uh, by boiling most of the meat and just plain boiled stuff. Mm -hmm. It was no nothing fancy. Did you have a what kind of stove? Did you have? Well, we have an old cook stove, like the old-fashioned cook stove that uh, my first call uh, about a stove in it. It's one of these stores that there's a big oven up on the top there. I don't know what you ever thought of. You might have seen the picture of it. Uh, these are the kind of stores we used to have. It's an oil stove. It's an old wood stove. Oh, wood stove. Wood stove. And did you eat anything raw, any raw meats or fish? Well, no, no, we never eat anything raw. Not, uh, I don't think we were brought up that way, not to eat the raw meat or anything like that. The only thing that we used to eat was something that's dried, like, you know, you drive some of this meat and hang it up on a, on a rack over the fire and then just meat dries up and then Later on, sometimes when you want to eat this meat, well, you put it in a pot and boil this thing down, put some flavor in it of some sort, like salt, pepper oil, whatever, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. They used to do that. We did like that. It softened it, you know, a little, and you could eat it, you know, without uh, doing that too. You eat it. Just try. What was the main source of, of meat? Well, it's mostly wild meat that we used to have. Well, but was it uh, deer or moose? Well, deer, moose, and rabbits. Did you ever have a cookout on an open fire with a spit? Oh, yes. Yeah. Of course, uh, when you cool in the sugar camp, when you go in the sugar camp, you, you have an open fire where you boil your salmon. You know, and then you're cooked in alongside of the stove, and in, in with this stuff. Not in the stuff, but I mean, you have a separate pot for cooking. Mm -hmm. Do you know how to make bannock? Yeah, I know how to make bannock. How do you make it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you just have uh, sort of, a, you know, when you have flour, water, Salt, baking powder, and uh, you put a little. If you want to soften it a little bit, you put a little bit of lard, or, you know, shortening or something. What is it exactly? Eh? What is it? What do you do with it then? Well, you cook it. You cook you, it. You put it's it like in. a biscuit, That's isn't it? Yeah. Well, oh, it's a biscuit. yeah, it's something like uh, a biscuit. Something like biscuits. Well, how did you eat it? How did you eat it then? Well, we just eat it like uh, nowadays anyway, we eat butter and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, cut it. So you so bake you it? put it in the oven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we put, we put it in the oven. And uh, when you cook it outside, all you do is just uh, put some iron, pull the ashes out from the fire, take a little bit, and then you set your frying pan up where you want, whatever you're going to use to cook it with. 
put it alongside the fire, and then you watch. As long as you don't let it burn, it's all right. That's the way they are. All the Indians are through the, uh, through the country. They, this is the way they cook. And that's the way your mother cooked it too, yes, wasn't it? Yes, my mother cooked it. And that is when we were in the shirt. Yeah. And where did you get your water from? Well, we got the water from the spring, just about 200 yards away. Mm -hmm. After I brought the water in, that is in the winter time. And then, well, in the summertime as well, we used to have spring water. We have to carry the water we use for cooking and all that sort of stuff. And my mother used to go, like, uh, for washing clothes, she used to go down to the lake and, you know, and pound the, uh, pound the clothes uh, with a club. And she used to take some soap and mm -hmm. wash the clothes up in the, in the lake, in the bay. Mm -hmm play any specific games with the other children on the reserve? Oh yeah, we, we used to play all different kind of games, like we played hide and go seek and all that sort of stuff, play ball. Mm -hmm. We played the uh, what they called an Indian game, we didn't play baseball in those days, not, uh, not when I was a child. Could you tell us uh, some of the other things that you used to do uh, when you got together as a group of boys? Did you, um, what kind of activities did you do? Well, uh, we used to go swimming and all that, you know, in the summertime, of course. In the wintertime, we'd go sliding to be, you know, pick up a, a place, a good place to slide. And, there sometimes throw away in the night, you know. Mm -hmm. Like a tobogganing? Oh, yes, oh, yes. They had toboggans. They used to make their own toboggans. Not the way they, the factory made ones. Mm -hmm. They weren't like that. They were toboggans. Could you describe them to us, how you made them? Uh, well, we used to, they used to whittle the wood, you know, split it and whittle it down to you know, put a half an inch thick or something like that. Like in strips, the way the, uh, the toboggans are made, mm -hmm. in those sort of strips and, and make a uh, toboggan like that. And it, it was all planned by, with a, with a draw knife or something, you know. Mm -hmm. And just like in a cold day, on a cold winter day, well, then you put ice on top there, you know, on the bottom of this toboggan. Mm -hmm. Then so it'll slide that. Did the girls play with, with you? Oh, also? yes, the girls used to play with us, uh, with the boys. Mm -hmm. Did the girls wear skirts or, or slacks? Oh, yeah, they wore skirts. Mm -hmm. They didn't wear my jeans that time. <laughs> <laughs> in the wintertime, how did they keep their legs warm? Oh, well, I mean, and they put on more clothes, I guess. Mm -hmm. The skirts were quite long, I imagine, weren't yes, they? Yeah. And they had boots and... Yeah, the dresses were long. Mm -hmm. Go back to um, your father's occupation. Uh, could you tell us what methods he used, for instance, to trap and to fish? Let's take the trapping. What kind of traps did he use? Well, uh, he used to do trapping by uh, using the ordinary traps in those days, like the uh, Hudson Bay traps. Is that know, a, a metal uh, thing? Yeah, 
maybe done a wing or something. And uh, like catching rabbits, well, then sometimes he used to make what they call the deadfalls, you know. And uh, used to have some. Usually he used to use the uh, inner bark of a cedar, and then you salt that, you know, soak it in salt water. Mm -hmm. Now when the rabbit comes there, you put some sticks there, what they, what they feed on, then they come to this here salted, uh, salted bark, and then it goes right in there, and it's tied somewhat like, uh, like that, you know. Mm -hmm. The string is tied uh, about halfway there. The, well, then the salted thing is, uh, you know, the rabbit comes and eats all that until it comes to this one. Of course, this thing that's up and down like this, that holds the, the weight. Mm -hmm. When he cuts that, and then the weight drops, and then the rabbit is caught. Oh. They used to use that for, even for mink. Mm -hmm. they, they used to do that. Uh, Put, put some kind of bait there, so, and he pulls this uh, bait, and then this uh, thing drops on a mink, and then it stays with mm -hmm. right And what about fishing? Fishing? Well, <clears throat> they used to fish. I know they done a lot of fishing in my day, in my days, uh, my younger days. They used to do a lot of fishing, but they used the ordinary fishing nets. You know, they catch a lot of fish in the fall. In the fall of the year, we used to keep a lot of, a lot of fish for the winter. Mm -hmm. For the winter, of course, there was some buyers to really to buy this fish from them. Mm -hmm. Did they ice fish much? Eh? Did they go ice fishing? Ice fishing, oh yeah. yeah. How would they catch fish through the ice? Through the ice. I mean, if they use the net, they, uh, they used to use a pole to you know, shelter under the ice. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. you know, up at the other end, they measured in the length of the net and mm -hmm. between the other end. And they take this line, mm -hmm. pull out and take the line and pull the net into it. Remember the first job you had? Oh, yeah, my first job that I went to was in, back in the woods, back in the bush in a for a lumber company. It was a bird. 13 years old and when I started working in the bush when I was at it, I used to just a common labor. I wasn't an expert of anything. And that was uh, that was the start of it. But when I become to be older, and then I, I was more expert, uh, more of an expert in, in bush work. And, how old were you when you first went? Uh, How old were you when you first went to the lumber camps? I was about 13 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, uh, as, it, as it went along, I mean, I went to the bush. I, I, I got to like working in the bush. Mm -hmm. I worked all over along, along the line here, different companies. What kind of work did you do when you first started? Well, I was uh, working as a swamper, they would call that. Uh, that is, you cut trails for horses to, to, to haul these guys up. Mm -hmm.
call them swampers. This is what I used to do. Swamp. And later on, you did did something else. Well, later on, I used to do like log rolling and all that. You know, like in the winter time, we you know, load logs on sleighs and horses take these down to the lake or river. It was a very interesting job. Of course, in the summertime, when we started to drive those logs down the river, we start pretty early in the spring. Just as soon as the river opens up, the water gets pretty cold. You've got to wade in that water, in that ice cold water in the spring. It was, it was hard in a way, but still, I mean, after you get used to it, you don't mind it. Were there very many accidents in the camps? Um, there weren't too many accidents, so they were pretty careful. I mean, most of, most of the men were, you know, pretty well experienced and most in that line of work. Mm -hmm. Did the company give the men any kind of training before they, they started a particular job? Uh, no. <clears throat> no. You don't get any kind of a training. The only training that you get is what training that you get from your partners, like uh, the older, mm -hmm. the older men. Mm -hmm. Like when I first started, I used to get some instructions from the older, the older log drivers or older bushmen. Mm -hmm. This is how we get their training. So what kinds of accidents happened on that part of the work? Well, you know, when you break a, a jam, sometimes it's a, on a river, there's a jam, well, there's, uh, there's a bunch of logs holding back. You had a bunch of logs at the back there, you know. To, so you have to break the, the front end of this jam to, to get the, to the whole thing started. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, we used to use uh, dynamite to break, uh, to break the jam. If it's too dangerous, you know, it can be get the, the logs moving down, down the river. So we used to work uh, from daylight till dark. We get up early in the morning, but it's in the summertime. We get up early in the morning and we would work till late that night. Of course, you got four meals a day. That's, that's one good thing about it. You never went hungry. You always had something. What was the pay? The pay, the rate of pay in those days when I was uh, on the railroad drive was about two dollars a day, and you work and you work to share about 14, 15 hours a day. The only leisure time that you have uh, working on the woods was uh, on a Sunday. That's the only time. That's your, the time is to yourself. In these years, how many, how often did you get home? Do you remember? Uh, um, there's a lot of times that I didn't, uh, I didn't go home. Of course, this uh, was before I was married. But, uh, yes. Didn't go home too much. I just went home once a year sometimes. You continue your studies. You were only 13 when you went to work. Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, continue my studies. Not the first year that I went in the bush, but uh, the following years. Sometime during 
your your work at the lumber camps, you were married. And um, could you tell us um, how you met your wife? And uh, yeah, I met my wife there then, in, uh, in that little town. Oh. I don't know whether I should mention the town of Blander. But Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, where I, I worked there. Mm -hmm. After this, after I finished lumbering or log driving and stuff like that, the last place I drove was over here in Garden River. That this 1926. I was I was old enough to to get married, but I had been married before, you know, like. Uh, I was married for about two years previous to that, and then I lost my wife. But I didn't uh, get married, not for another two years. Uh, I, I stayed single. So I traveled around quite a bit in, in the days, working here and there. How old were you when you got married? Um, the last time that I got married was, uh, I was 30, 32, something like that. So you were about 26? Yeah, I was about 24 when I first got married. Mm -hmm. I, had, uh, I had two children. They both died of uh, GB. And, uh, I don't know, my wife died too in that time. She died of, uh, I don't know what she died from. I couldn't say. I mean, she just, and after I got married the second time, I lived with this woman for, well, with her for about 42 years. And she passed away about three years ago. And I raised over 13, 11 children with her. I had two previous to that. So I had 13 children. Mm -hmm. Were you married in a church? Um, yes. You were. Was it a Catholic church? Catholic church, both times, yeah. Mm -hmm. And your wife then was Catholic as well at the time? Oh, yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Was there a marriage ceremony, I mean, a, a celebration following the ceremony? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a marriage celebration both times. And you were married in Blind River? In, in, uh, no, I no. was married in, on the reserve. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. yeah. What kind of celebration? Did you have well, we dance, you know, like square dancing and all. We lived in in Blind River after after they got married. I lived, we lived in Blind River for a while. I worked there for the, uh, the lumber company, the uh, Carpenter and Hickson Lumber Company. Yeah, my children, you know, of course, uh, the they could go up later on, but uh, mm -hmm. the first part of my marriage, like uh, my children were small, uh, some of them got into an accident, one of them uh, fell, and you know, well, <clears throat> we used to 
get water from a well, like, you know, I guess, I don't know what he, he was going to do. He was the one small guy in chat. I guess he fell in there. He got drowned at that in the well. And uh, I had another accident. That, you know, one of my little girls uh, got poisoned. It was overdose of uh, pills. I mean, we had pills up on the shelf. Like, I don't know how they got up to the, the, to the top. One of my grandchildren almost got killed too at the same time. But the, the doctor had this come in time to survive her. Were we all born at home? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, they were born. They weren't all born at home because uh, at that time the doctors, you know, they used to put women to the, uh, for the hospital. They were born most of the in the hospital mm -hmm. all that time. Did they just call some kind of sickness? Did you take them to the doctor or? Oh, yes. Uh, we, had, uh, we had many ways of transportation at the time. I used to have a car, you know, that mm -hmm. could take them. Did you have any, did you have any of your own medicine? You know, that? Well, we did have our own medicine always, but then it, uh, in order to make things much easier yeah. for us, uh, take to the doctor quickly. The Department of Indian Affairs used to pay for all of our doctor bills and all medicines, any medicine that we get with them free. Did you ever make any of your own, you know, like special Indian remedies or anything like that? Oh, yes, uh, we did. We did make some. What kind? Well, it was, uh, my, uh, my wife used to make this here, and she used to call it the heart medicine. You know, one of my girls uh, that's married now, she's in Toronto. She used to take this medicine. She thinks her wife she used to make it. Do you know how? Yeah, yeah just well, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the uh, daughter used to drink this medicine. She kind of put She got cured with it. The doctor said when she was a little girl, you know, that, that she wouldn't reach a uh, womanhood. But uh, she became a mother of five children, mm -hmm. and her children is uh, for the while growing up, like uh, well, 12 years old. So. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a wonderful thing. You Sometimes the doctors can be wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you call that heart medicine? Is that what you said? Heart heart medicine. Was there any other kind of medicine? Oh, we had a different kinds for colds, and uh, I used to see my wife, Renee, uh, was, you know, she'd take a salt and put it in a, in a bag, right? And she'd heat that up and just put that down. Mm -hmm. on, and so then, you know, it starts to, and your teeth starts to be able to, and the flesh comes up. You relieve that uh, soreness there. Do you remember visiting the dentist to have a, a tooth cold? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, well, we had a doctor there. He was a very good doctor in Grand River. Well, we provide for my family pretty well, you know. And then after 
a certain amount of years that I was married with, uh, with the second wife. We had a home. I had a home before I married the second wife. I bought a home <clears throat> when I got married the first time. And I left that. And I come back to that home after. And I raised my children in that home. Finally, I, I tore that house down and built another one. Yeah. I done that during a depression time. It was, it was a hard going, but I managed to get through a certain time. I was uh, living on the reserve then. They asked me if I could, you know, act as uh, a counselor. I, I got into the council. I was in the council for about 12 years. Then later on, I, I was elected as a chief of the reserve, and I uh, I, hung, I uh, was a chief there for quite a number of years. I think around 27 years. So, and uh, and during those times of being a chief, we used to travel quite a bit. You know, go from place to place to these conventions and all that. This is where I learned a lot of things about uh, how to run. Our, our business and I had on the reserve. And, uh, oh, I've traveled quite a bit. And uh, I, I used to work at the same time, too, you know, of course. I, I took time off to go to someplace on, on the band business. I took time off and done this. I was the first to become a chief. The land was sold, you know, previous to that, you know, to some other company that bought this land from us. It was sold to was seven members of, uh, of the reserve. And I went to Ottawa. And I went to find out about this, you know, kind of find things out what was happening or what came about at that time. So anyway, I found out that this land was sold. And after I became a chief, well, then I started uh, negotiating with the, with the Indian agent and asked him if this thing could be bought back again. So I said, sure. All you gotta do is just pass a resolution and then we'll, we'll see what we can do. Of course, he didn't say we would, but I mean, he didn't say that we'd see what we can do. So, anyway, I passed this resolution about this plan. This was one of the first things that I've done, just to buy this land. And then later on, we, we had a chance to rent this uh, piece of ground, this part of it. You know, of course, we leased uh, almost 100 acres to this uh, Naranda Mines at, uh, well, we were getting $3,000 a year, that is, for, for our ground. And uh, what I paid for this land was uh, a little over $2,000, you know, after I bought it back from the company. So I was made, I made my money.
uh, we made our money this uh, year on the first year of that rent. And then from there on, we rented it for another tenor, tenor called years, I think. So we didn't lose anything on that, uh, on that deal. We, we worked for this company that uh, leased us property. We worked with all the boys that just able to work and wanted to work. They all got a job, everyone. Even some engines from the outside used to come here, you know, if we could get a job as well. And they, uh, they worked there free of taxes, you know, they didn't pay, they didn't pay no income tax. Even the Indians from the outside, of, uh, from another reserve, they come there and work up on the reserve, but then they didn't have to pay no income tax. This was the uh, beautiful part of it. That they did. But, uh, the company uh, stopped operating there? Uh, in 1962, I think. 1962. Um, before there was any cars? Oh, yeah. How I, did you get around then? Oh, well, we used to get around by, uh, by boat. We got saved boat. Oh, you were all, your own maiden made, made yourself? Or did you? Uh, no. I, I really don't know. Some people used to, uh, some Indians used to make their own sailboats and all that. So mm -hmm. I don't remember whether my dad used to make his own soap or not. But he probably bought it. Mm. I don't think he was much of a crafter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you use horses or dogs or anything? Well, we had horses. My dad had horses. I always had horses as far as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And I had horses too while I was working for the company there. You know, I would I, I used to do some fishing, do commercial fishing. That's before this, uh, this plant come in. I used to do this. I had horses, I had uh, some nets. I had oh, quite a number of yards of nets. I used to catch sturgeon. I used to catch some big ones. Mm -hmm. And I used to ship this, uh, this fish, you know, to the States. I got a good price for it. So I, I was making money both ways, like I was working in the bush with my horses and then my nets were in the water in the evening. I used to go out there and, you know, lift my nets. Mm -hmm. well, I made a living. <laughs> I used to haul timber with my horses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was hard work. I done it. Uh, I used to leave early in the morning and come home late at night. Be about 10 o'clock before I get finished, you know, with my work. Then I'd go have a little sleep and wake up early in the morning and feed my horses and, you know, get them ready for work. Oh, it was hard, but still I enjoyed doing it. You know, I was doing that for my family. Some of my children uh, went to school on the reserve, and some of them went to boarding school. And uh, that's in Spanish. And how was the boarding school different from the school on the reserve? Uh, well, the school on the reserve wasn't too bad. Uh, well, 
when they went to the boarding school, but still, I mean, they had, they had to have some time to study. But when they are when they're at uh, at home, like uh, day school, in the evening, well, you you couldn't stop them from going out. They had too much time to study. So when they're in the boarding school, well, then they have all the time they want, and they have some discipline as far as uh, doing their work is concerned. They done pretty good, I think, at least. How long did your children be away from home when you went to the boarding school? Uh, not too long. I mean, they sometimes they used to come home once a month, and I wasn't living too far from a boarding school. The boarding school that they went to was more, more up to date, and then it wasn't like time that I went to school, of course, this good many years ago when I went to went to school in the boarding school. Times are different. I mean, times are different when they went to a boarding school. The girls and boys sometimes used to meet together and get out drink and visit one another when they were in Spanish boarding school. They had a different system. And uh, there weren't too many French-speaking prefects or people that's uh, running the school at that time. Not like in my days. Did your children speak Ojibwe? Uh, just the two, the two oldest ones. The one, my oldest boy that died, used to speak the Ojibwe language in the abundance uh, living over here, my daughter. But the rest of them, they don't know how to talk Indian. It's, it's too bad, you know. We used to talk, and myself and my wife used to talk, and then quite a bit, you know. Of course, when they play with the other children, and then the other children don't uh, don't talk, and then, of course, there was some English-speaking children there, too. So they just uh, didn't uh, go the way they should have went, anyway. Mm -hmm. I went to school, I was uh, forbidden to talk my language, uh, you know, and with the other, with the other boys that, uh, that I knew that, could, that I could converse with. You were supposed this, to practice uh, English. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, only, they were only asking me to talk the English language. Mm -hmm. Of course, you couldn't blame the, uh, the principal or the superior at that time because it was the policy of the Department of Indian Affairs that uh, nobody should uh, speak the Indian language well at school, which uh, I think was wrong as far as I but now they're beginning to realize where they had made their mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to go back and teach uh, Indians, uh, the Indian, young Indian folks to talk the Indian language. It's uh, kind of hard you don't for them, of course, it's always for the one that's uh, teaching the language. Uh, I call some of, the, uh, some of the people down south there. The, uh, they teach the Indian language and at school for oh, about an hour, I think. You get to get ten dollars an hour for a teacher to choose which is good. Good for the penny. Go with these girls, boys from 
forgotten long ago. It used to be able to talk their language, of course. I don't know why, what the difference was, but we couldn't talk the language. Where did they come from? Where did they, where was their reserve? Back up in the Their reserve would be in Kapnawak, across from Montreal. Some of them were from St. Regis in Cornwall. Well, they came that far to the school yeah. on Manitoulin Island right. that you attended. Thank you so much for listening, and come back again next week for another episode from the stories of Northern Life by the Sault Ste. Marie Museum. Bye for now. <laughs>